You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi, Annie here for Showreel. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival had to go online during 2020, but they are back at the Nova with a series of monthly screenings. And on May the 23rd, they are focusing on shorts with five curated sessions, which include Q&As with filmmakers. The first session starts at 10.45 and the last starts at 8.30. So a lot to feast on. Looking at the program, I was taken by the variety of personal stories, amazing places, unusual stories and historical touchstones that have made it to film because of the ingenuity of the filmmakers involved. Over the next few weeks on Show Wheel, we feature conversations with some of those people. First up is a chat with film producer Kathy Mayer about her film Out of the Closets, Into the Streets, which is playing in the first session, and we follow up with a chat with Riley Archer-Whelan about her film The Last Extinction, which is playing in session three at 3.30. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Out of the Closets, Into the Streets takes us back to 1970s Melbourne when a group of students made a stand for gay pride at a time when homosexuality was criminalised and discrimination and abuse was widespread. More than 40 years on, Gay Liberation Front members reflect on the impact of those days in this film. Let's hear from the film's producer, Cathy Mayer. Hello, Cathy. Thanks for coming in. And uh, we're talking about this really quite interesting film, Out of the Closet, Into the Streets. And uh, it's about Melbourne's uh, gay community awakening, really, isn't it? Correct. The very early, what was known back then as the Gay Liberation Movement, um, that it's, it's, it's emergence from this community groups um, in uh, Melbourne in the 1970s. How did it come about? Yeah, um, because I found out about what is now known as the um, Australian Queer Archives, which will be moving into um, the new centre um, on Fitzroy Street soon, which is very exciting. So, what, What's the new centre? Oh, oh, there's an LGBTI centre starting up where it's going to be a hub for a queer community. Um, I think Joy's going to move there. Um, Stop with the hands. Oh, sorry. Um, Joy's going to move there um, and the Queer Archives are going to move there 
and I'm, I'm not sure who else, but yeah. Oh, fantastic. And so that was the impetus. You wanted to make sure that it was going to be documented. Uh, no, not, no, not really. This was this all predated that. But I found out about them. They were in Claremont Street in and have been there for a long time. And But they're just an extraordinary organisation. So they were started back in the 1970s, a group of... Um, Queer people were saying, no one's recording our history, so we are going to. And so from that, we now just have this absolute treasure trove of Australian history. And I guess the impetus for me was to start opening the door on the archives a bit, so to let people have a peek inside and discuss the extraordinary rich history that we actually have. So the film itself, Out of the Closets Into the Streets, is based on an exhibition that um, what was then Alga is now Aqua um, put on uh, for, for midsummer a few years ago. Oh, right. Okay, good. Um, probably more knowledgeable listeners will know this already. Yeah. And I, I was uh, really fascinated by how concise... Because it's a relatively short film, but it's um, beautifully curated, I have to say. Oh, thanks. So that's that's um, down to um, Jerry Nemo, who um, d- uh, wrote and directed and edited a lot of it. So that's a lot of his work. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, a beautiful um, and concise. And also the uh, it, the story is told with uh, archive, which is a real pleasure to watch. But it's also to- told. Uh, with some uh, talking heads and they're really special people really really special people who went through some extraordinary stuff and that was another impetus for me that these people are starting to get a bit older and I absolutely wanted to record them and their stories before it's too late and they're not with us anymore not that they're that old but no no but start, I recognise Barbara Creed yes. because of her fantastic academic work yes yes well Barbara's been an extraordinary influence on screen culture in Australia and, and around the world and um, so it was fantastic having her input but they're personal mm. stories mm. personal stories and there's some fantastic quotable quotes because they're unassuming people these are these are people who have actually done really fantastically important uh, societal changing things in Australia uh, and they are really quite um, unassuming yes. I think Yes, oh, um, extraordinarily radical staff. Um, so Jude Munro would um, go and because there was no Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's there was no mobile phones to there was to contact people. You would have to phone them up on a telephone in your house, um, or go f- see a flyer or a post or something. And Jude Munro would go to Flint Street Station and hand out flyers, and I find that just extraordinary brave and um, well one of them talks yeah. about uh, the first uh, meetings at Melbourne Uni uh, where he was saying that he'd already just knew when he was a teenager when he was a young teenager 13 or so that he was gay he was male attracted and um, you know just sort of kept it to himself because you know he didn't want to be boffed on the head but um, he was used to it and then these uh, he a meeting was called and he had thought that perhaps he really should go, but he was expecting to be beaten up. Yeah. No, that's just pure bravery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
and and we were super keen to have these people tell their stories and and it be available. I think especially to young people, younger out queer people who I know are often, I guess, confident and uh, a lot of them I would say feel free to explore very many parts of themselves and perhaps be not so aware of where all this has come from and um you know and it's you know it's helped to break down general bounds of heteronormity in our society as well and we owe these people an extraordinary debt well what there's other things too though you know um uh, people realizing that things have changed for the better you know there's often this malaise around oh you know nothing can ha- happen and da 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 but in actual fact it's pointed out here and they pointed out that one things have changed for the better if you look at it and also solidarity counts and uh being a foot soldier is as important as being a leader all those kind of things yeah. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, the, it's turning up that counts. It's that's, turning up that counts. I was trying to remember yeah, what it was. Yeah. It's, You've got to turn up. Yeah, that's, that's the big thing is turn up mm. because you'll be, as you said, you don't have to be a leader but you will be. A, you will make a contribution that will make a change. Mm. And working together is, was actually incredibly powerful. Yeah. yeah, it's a lovely film. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel achieved? Do you, are you happy? Oh yeah, super, super happy. Yeah, yeah, we we love it. So yeah, and uh, we just we just we just love to make a longer one. But the, um, there's so much material. You know, we, we we have material that we have shot, but also through the archives, there's just that's just that's a scratching the surface. You know, our little film scratches the surface. Well, I, I really do think it's a show reel. I, I do uh, think it needs to be expanded. It was fascinating, absolutely oh, fascinating. God, yeah. And like I said, I was really impressed at the uh, tidy dance of the film because it said so much in so little time, but I could easily have had more. Oh, good. well, there is plenty there, and we would love to make something longer. Um, we, we, you know, we're champing at the bit. We're ready to go. If we could, if we could get the money, we'd be off like a shot. And you're happy to be at the uh, Melbourne Documentary oh, Film thrilled, Festival, of course. Yeah, fabulous. It's so good, and it's so you know, wonderful opportunity to see other people's films and for people to see some films and back, you know, back in a in a cinema again. So that's that's great. But it was great it going online last year as well. People can come and see it on Sunday. They can on the twenty third of May, um, and then um, and then it's Pride March afterwards. So if that's your thing, come and see a film, and then um, pop on down afterwards. Thanks for talking to me. You're very welcome. G'day, I'm Warwick Thornton, and uh, you're listening to Three CR. Hi, Annie here for Showreel. Riley Archer Whelan's film, The Last Extinction, takes us takes us from some of the smallest things on the planet, bees and termites, to some of the biggest elephants and hippos to explore the imminent catastrophe of the last extinction and what that means for humans. I got to speak to Riley about her film which is showing at the Nova on May the 23rd at 3.30 as part of the MDFF short film focus season. Hello Riley, thanks for coming in and uh, we're here to talk about your film The Last Extinction but it appears that uh, you're uh, a an old hand at making films. Tell me a little bit about your filmic experience. Yeah, so I've made a couple of documentaries. I'm really interested in social activism. So when I went to South Africa to film this documentary, I filmed another documentary over there, which I'm finishing at the moment. 
and uh, we've worked on a couple of narrative films in Melbourne. I'm in very early stages of another documentary as well. Well, The Last ex- uh, Extinction is, uh, I, as you say, it's it's about uh, global warming, a, a human's effects on global warming, but you take a very interesting approach and a lot of the stuff that is filmed is actually in uh, Africa. So did you actually do that shooting? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was a cinematographer as well as the director and I originally wrote the film in Australia. I was going to set it here. And I saw a program, a documentary program with Africa Media, where you go over there, you shoot a documentary in Africa, you work with specialists who are at the top of their field. Um, And I just thought that was a fantastic program. And what a better place to set the film than in Africa, the heart of Mother Nature. So what do you mean by what did they do? Were they mentors? Yeah, a mentorship, pretty much. Um, You work with specialists, so they have researchers, journalists, journalists. some really fantastic film directors and they mentor you as well as a couple of other filmmakers from all over the world and you go over there, you shoot the documentary with the team of filmmakers. And so does that mean that you applied? Yes, I did, yeah. Okay, and did you have to give them a showreel or something like that to be considered? Yes, yes. So I sent them a couple of my other documentaries that I've done before. Um, But this is definitely the first documentary where I've worked with wildlife, which was really exciting. I found the script really interesting and I found it very interesting the way you connected the uh, visuals to that script. Tell me about that process. Yeah, well, obviously um, a lot of wildlife documentaries are inspired by David Attenborough. And the thing that I love about wildlife documentaries is the way that filmmakers set up animals to be characters that humans can relate to. So when I'm watching a wildlife documentary myself, I'm always looking at who is the villain, who is the hero, how have the filmmakers set up the villains and heroes. So they do that through, you know, different types of shots, maybe the sound effects, the angles of shots. And it's important to make animals something that humans can relate to because the more that we care about the animals the more we care about their conservation yes you you do do that but because it's only a relatively short film like it's 18 minutes uh and you've got a lot of information to get across uh you uh have a very compelling uh way of uh Parring the information down to the essence. Tell me about the process of writing that script. Yeah, well, animals are a bit different to humans where I can't really tell them what to do. Um, So essentially I had a script in mind, uh, the message I'd like to get across. I did a lot of research about the animals and what typical behaviours you might see. But on the day, you never know if those behaviours are going to reveal themselves. So when we were filming, we spent nine days in the reserve And each day uh, we'd write a bunch of camera notes at the end of the day, go through the footage, write down what kind of behaviours we observed, what kind of special moments might make a feature in the film. And then as you're filming, you're really stringing the story together as well, even though you do start with a script of what you would like to film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a sequence in it where you've got the hippos in the uh, water, then it pans back and then it becomes a... Uh, an outline that's red. That that was a really neat sort of process that you uh, had to visualise something that was also being uh, um, underlined by the the text, the the voiceover. Uh, was that an animated process, or what what happened there? 
No, uh, we use drones actually um, to get that shot that you're talking about. But it the film explores animals from the smallest building blocks, so you know termites, until the biggest bulldozer being elephants. So I use a lot of transitions with nature to connect all of those animals going from the smallest animal to the larger animal. Um, hippos were actually really interesting to film as well because they're the most dangerous animal in the world. Um, so we also, the, the use of technology, like I said, using drones were really important and using, say, long lenses to get up and close with those animals while still saying really safe. One of some of the eye-opening experiences that I had in South Africa um, was at, at the rhinos that are featured in our film, uh, actual rhinos that have previously been poached. So a lot of the time when rhinos are poached, um, a lot of anti-poachers are on the poacher's back. So they come in and they take the horns and a lot of the time they kind of hack off the rhinos' faces and a lot of the, I know it's awful, a lot of the rhinos um, pass away from that situation. And um, the rhinos in my film, um, the poachers came in uh, via helicopter and the reserve that we were working on was so large that they came in completely undetected. They um, sawed off the horn and while it's extremely... Um, you know, upsetting for a rhino to lose its horn. Thanks to the rangers at the park, the rhinos were able to recover from that and those rhinos that were previously poached, their horns have completely grown back and those are the rhinos that are featured in my film. Oh, that's extraordinary. But the quality of the um, sharpness of the images, fantastic. What were you using? Um, I shot on an FS7, an A7S and the DJI drone. Yeah, so a combination depending on what kind of environment we, we're in. And there was one shot actually uh, with a GoPro. We we left a GoPro out in the middle of the night. We found a dead um, bushbuck and uh, we left the dro- GoPro there. And it was really interesting to see the um, over 24 hours how the animal kind of after its death like kind of uh, disintegrated and moved. Yeah. Yeah, quite fascinating. The the other elements to this is that uh, you are a filmmaker in the round, in a sense, because you you wrote it, you shot it, you edited it. So tell me about the editing process. Yeah, um, you have to be pretty versatile with documentary, I think. Um, so the editing process, like I said, really began during filming. And then afterwards, it was about pulling all the moments together, what moments that I was hoping to capture and I didn't capture, how to string those moments together without the footage that we couldn't get. Um, So the post-production took a couple of weeks and music was really important to that as well. Um, I think a lot of films, you kind of have the score done afterwards, but for me, it's really important to listen to the score and have that drive um, the feeling of the film as I'm editing. So how did you choose the music or did you ask someone to work with you? Um, I chose the music. I just kind of researched a lot of music. I kind of, as I'm editing, I just leave the music on really low in the background. So I just play through a number of different musicians and different um, artists. And then as I'm editing, I'll really have the feeling of a certain song and I'm like that's the one I want to use so so I mean it's it's like uh either breathing or uh uh walking or tapping or some some uh beat that you're after yeah a feeling I guess 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I mean, that's pretty extraordinary stuff, I'd say. Uh, and uh, you get across quite a lot, uh, and you tie it to uh, uh, Melbourne. The last sequences uh, make Melbourne look pretty speck. I'll have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, where oh. did you get your your skills? Right, you're yeah. skilled, man. How, <laughs> yeah. how did you get your skills? Yeah, um, I made obviously a couple of shorter films when I was younger, and then I went to film school. So I went to Swinburne University, and that was great because I was able to connect um, with other filmmakers. And just the last five years, um, I've been running my uh, corporate video production, and that's great as well in in helping you. Um, really hone your skills. Are you making a living out of making your films? Yeah, I am. Um, mostly from the corporate videos. Um, the documentaries are self-funded, so less so, um, but I'd definitely love to move more into that space. And you said that you're making a narrative film now. Uh, I'm just making a short narrative at the moment. So you have ambitions to go even uh, larger out of uh, short films into features. Yeah, and this film in particular, The Last Extinction, I'd really love to make into a feature. I feel like it's it really touches on the surface. Um, there's so much more that the film can go into. I would love to make it into a feature, talk to scientists about not only the problems that we're facing with the mass extinction crisis, but what are some of the solutions as well. From the beginning of time, the animals have always used and reused their resources and they've created an ecological balance. And us as humans have come in and we've disrupted that balance. So I believe it's up to our leaders to help restore the balance and it's their responsibility to incentivize. So essentially we're not going to use um, electric vehicles until it's affordable to do so. We're not going to eat lab-grown meat until it tastes good. We're not going to use public transport until it's more convenient. So I think it's important for us to be able to help the environment to reduce our mass extinction is important to our leaders to incentivize um, and rethink our city planning. Yeah, and so a screening at Mel- uh, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a, a, a really nice way of getting this film out there, right? Yeah, they've been fantastic, um, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. So we did an online screening last year because of COVID, which was great because we were able to show the film to such a wider audience than you would at a normal film screening where you go into a cinema and you're just showing it to the people in the cinema. But it's great to have it playing in the cinema as well and get to connect with people face-to-face. Also on a large screen. Yeah, it'll be nice to see it on a large screen for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's quite fascinating, as you said, that you go from the very small to the very large. That must have been really compelling for a filmmaker to play with that stuff. Yeah, definitely. It was great. Um, Another thing that I'd love to do with this film as well, um, by having it screening I'd love to put on an event and that's something that I'm planning for later in the year where we screen not only my film but a number of films that are um, along the same lines talking about climate change and extinction and um, putting that together with a panel because the idea of the film was to open up a conversation essentially that was the idea that I had originally so I'd love to put on some more screenings have some panel discussions and talk about the solution to a lot of the issues. Have you had responses to your film? 
yeah, I've had a lot of really great responses. Yeah, it's interesting to see how people interpret the film. You know, a lot of people see it as a fun safari ride and then I've got other people who said that they really struggled to finish it because it's something that touches close to their heart. Yeah. Okay. It's playing at Cinema Nova on the 23rd of May. Yeah, that's all right. That's it for Showreel this week. Go online to Nova Cinema for session details for the short film focus tickets. Each session, adult tickets $20 and concession $16 for two hours of fun. Up next is Published or Not. We can make it work. You children can make it work. Every time. So we better get up, stand up for your rights. Or someone would say we're coming in from the cold. Or another one would say the sun is shining and the weather is sweet. And someone would say, is this love? And everyone would say everything. Let's move it. Stand up for your rights. Did you get up? Stand up. 
and tired of the kisses, kisses. Dad and go to heaven and the kisses, kisses. We know and we understand. Almighty God is a living man. You can fool some people sometimes, but you can't fool all the people all the time. And now you see the light. You stand up for your rights. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.